Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Luke's Look Podcast. This is the October 2nd edition of the program. I'd like to make a quick note before we get started. Happy early birthday to my brother Chase. He turns 19 tomorrow. I cannot believe he's 19. Anyway, I'm sure he will not listen to this show and I'm sure he will not have a care in the world that I said that. But, that's what I'm saying to start off the show. Let's get into this. we got a great show for you today. We've got the NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, and the NHL as well, including your, uh, and also the Premier League as well. we got a lot going on. Let's get right to it, and let's talk about the NFL. And let's just make, let's just be, let's just be honest here. If you went unbeaten in the NFL, it wasn't a good week for you. Unbeaten's at lost. The Packers lost. The Lions, who were technically unbeaten, but they weren't. And they had tied a game. So yes, that does count, but it also kind of is like, eh, not really. Uh, the Patriots won as an undefeated. Uh, the Rams is a lost as an undefeated team. 55-40, to 40, the Buccaneers beat the Rams. That's insane. 55 to 40, 95 points in a football game. That's wild. Uh, <clears throat> and of course, the Cowboys lost to the Saints in the Superdome in a field goal fest. 10, 12-10. Uh, this is the first time in the Sean Payton, Drew Brees era, although Drew Brees was not playing in the game, that the Saints have not scored a field, scored a touchdown in a football game and won. That's insane. It absolutely is insane. But that's the NFL for you. Let's just be honest. That's what the NFL is. That's That's just how things go. It's a week-to-week basis. You never can tell what's going to happen, and that's what makes it fun. So that's that was really the biggest point that I had during uh, the Sunday that was. There wasn't really a whole lot of extra stuff that went on in that. It was just a, wow, look at the undefeateds who lost. And we only have three left. The Patriots and Chiefs are undefeated in the AFC. And the only undefeated team in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers. The San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo is quarterback. Kyle Shanahan is head coach. And they're undefeated coming off their bye week. They've got a Monday night game against the Browns this week coming up. That should be a really entertaining football game. That's one to look out for, folks. So that was really the biggest... Storyline, uh, you've got others as well. You've got Daniel Jones now being 2-0 with the Giants as they beat the Redskins uh, 24-3 at, at uh, MetLife Stadium in New, in New Jersey. That was a big win for the Giants. It, it, I said it the past two weeks, and I will say it again. If I'm the Giants, I look at the holes in my roster and say, okay, I can fill these holes at a very minimal cost to me because of just how much... There is a rookie waste gun. Rookies can't negotiate, you know, Eli Manning dollars or whatever for uh for their contract when they come out of when they come out of the draft. They know they're gonna be paid. So I can look at this and say, Okay, I've got this kid under control for a while, I'm gonna let him develop and I'm gonna let him develop around Daniel Jones. I don't know why the Giants didn't just effectively tank. Uh, to try and not necessarily get a quarterback, but fill holes in the roster. I have no idea why they didn't do that, but it's worked out for them. They're two and two, so they'll obviously take that. But uh, going down the list, uh, the Lions played really, really well 
against the Chiefs. Should have won the football game, if we're being honest. The Chiefs should not have won that game. But that's what good teams do. Good teams find a way to win games they shouldn't. Particularly on the road, and that's exactly what the Kansas City Chiefs did. Well, on the Patriots did the same thing. The Bills played well enough to win the football game. The Patriots' offense was non-existent. And the Patriots' defense and special teams stepped up and won the football game. That's how you win games in the NFL. Looking down the list and other games, I mentioned the Buccaneers and, and Rams. Isn't it amazing? Tampa Bay Buccaneers went down and uh, went out to L.A. and scored 55 points on the Rams. They gave out 40, but they scored 55. And they won a game against one of the best teams in the NFC after losing to a rookie quarterback in his first career start. That's just in, that's incredible. That really, really is. It's downright incredible. So, uh, that that was one thing where I looked at that result and I went, what? How on earth did that happen? <laughs> and the answer is this the NFL. Any given Sunday is true. And finally, the last talking point that I have for the NFL this week is the Saints beating the Cowboys 12-10. Look, I know the Saints don't have Drew Brees, but what did I say last week? The Saints are going to be alright without Drew Brees. Why? Because Teddy Bridgewater is a starting quarterback in the NFL. Teddy Bridgewater, if he walked on to a good number of teams in the NFL, would start. He's good. Taysom Hill is a capable backup in that situation. Until the, And the Saints have a very good roster. They've got a very good team around him. This is not the Saints of a few years ago when they didn't have a defense, didn't have a running game, and it was just all on Drew Brees to go in the game. Not like that anymore. They've got guys. They've got dudes. They can play. And the Saints have showed that to this point. They're 2-0 without Drew Brees. They're pretty good. So, recapping the rest of the scores around the NFL, uh, last Thursday night, the Eagles beat the Packers 34-27 in Lambeau. The Giants, as aforementioned, beat the Redskins 24-3. The Chiefs beat the Lions 34-30. Titans beat the Falcons 24-10. Browns beat the Ravens 40-25. Raiders beat the Colts 31-24. Patriots beat the Bills 16-10, as did the Panthers over the Texans on the same score 16-10. Dolph- Chargers beat the Dolphins 30-10. The Buccaneers beat the Rams in the shootout of the day 55-40. Seahawks beat the Cardinals 27-10. Bears beat the Vikings but lost Mitchell Trubisky 16-6. And the Jaguars beat the Broncos 26-24 on a, lo- on a walk-off field goal. And the Saints beat the Cowboys 10-12-10. And the Steelers beat the Bengals 27-3 on Monday night. The score the schedule for Week 5 of the National Football League season looks like this. Tomorrow, the Rams will be at the Seahawks on Thursday night. The Jets will be at the Eagles on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Other 1 o'clock games are Jaguars at Panthers, Vikings at Giants, Falcons at Texans, Buccaneers at Saints, Bills at Titans, Cardinals at Bengals, Patriots at Redskins, Ravens at Steelers, Bears at Raiders in London. And... At 4.05, Broncos will be at the Chargers. At 4.25, the Packers will be at the Cowboys. The Chiefs will host the Colts on Sunday Night Football. And Monday Night, we already mentioned it, Browns at the 49ers. So there you have it, folks. There you have it. That is the NFL. We'll move on now, and we'll talk about college football. 
because how do you follow up Sundays? You go back to Saturday, right? So, again, a few talking points throughout the uh, the season. It's not that many because I think this week was fun, but it wasn't a week that spawned a whole lot of talking points from it. I, I really don't think so. Uh, the number one thing that I took from the college football season is Clemson looked human. Clemson almost got out of Chapel Hill with a loss. Clemson almost lost to North Carolina. If North Carolina had kicked an extra point and tied the game late on, it's conceivable they could have beaten Clemson in overtime. Because college overtime, for those of you who don't know, is alternating possessions. That's it. There's no game clock. It's just a play clock and as many downs as you need to get to the end zone or be forced to turn the ball over. Because no one punts in college football in overtime. You just don't. You kick a field goal or you go for it. So, here's the thing. Clemson looked human, but I'm not concerned. There's a few reasons why I'm not concerned. One, that team is immensely talented. Talented teams generally figure it out as the year goes on. Just ask the New England Patriots. They're not as talented as other teams in the league, but they have guys that figure out what they need to do. It's different in college, but it's not all that different. Clemson has a very good coaching staff, and Dabo is one of the best coaches in the country as the head coach. He knows what he's doing. He'll get those guys ready to go. Remember when we said Clemsoning was a thing? He fixed that, didn't he? He'll fix this. I have no problem with what Clemson's doing. And the second reason is the ACC is not that good. The best team in the ACC besides Clemson is Virginia. That should be a music to Clemson's ears. Because yes, anything can happen in college football, but you know what? If the second best team in my league is Virginia, I'm feeling okay with that. The second point that I looked at and I watched this game with really great intent. I was really looking forward to watching this game and then it became not a game at all. Ohio State at Nebraska. Ohio State might well be the best team in the country. They're outscoring people at just an insane rate. They're putting up points for fun. Nebraska's supposed to be good. Ohio State made them look like a high school JV team. That's insane what Ohio State is doing. And look, you're not going to see them be any higher than number three or number four because guess what? Alabama and Clemson keep winning. And as far as I'm concerned, and as, if they keep winning, they kind of deserve that. But you can't ignore Ohio State. You can't ignore Ohio State. OSU might be the best team in the country, but they won't have the number one ranking of their name. Unless Clemson continues to have to sneak out games and Alabama slips up once. Neither of which seem possible. Or probable. So... That's what, when I look at Ohio State, it's insane. And I'll be honest with you, I'll be the first person to admit, I did not think Ohio State would be all that good with Ryan Day. I thought they would be good, but I didn't think they'd be this good. Ryan Day, it looks like a Lincoln Riley in the making, is what it looks like. Or a second uh, version of Lincoln Riley. Where the old guy goes out, the new guy just keeps the program running, and not only that, has it firing on all cylinders even more than it already was. That's what it looks like at Ohio State. Kudos to the administration for realizing, hey, we got a gem sitting behind Urban. 
let's give him a chance. See, see what he does. That's the full-time head coach. The third major talking point that I had uh, this week is in I watched this game. I didn't watch all of it uh, because I was watching um, other like high school games in the state. Not, not like high school games. I was watching the high school game. But we're not giving Penn State enough credit. Penn State rolled Maryland. 59 nothing. I don't care who you are or who you beat. If you roll someone 59 nothing, you're pretty doggone good. Okay? Penn State is good. Penn State might well be the second best team in the division over Michigan and behind Ohio State. That doesn't mean that they're right up there with Ohio State. OSU has a very big gap. I'm not saying that there's not a big gap there. I'm saying this. I'm saying that when you look at it, Penn State's really, really good. James Franklin can recruit. James Franklin can coach. Why I counted Penn State out, I have no idea. But I'm starting to eat my words. Those are really the only three big talking points that I really want to talk about with college football. Uh, I want to go into the games of the week now. And in the ACC, and, and this is... I could have mentioned this in talking points, but I'm not going to. I'm going to mention it now. The ACC is Virginia Tech at Miami. This might be a must-win game for Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. It might well be. They got beat 45-10 on their home field by Duke. And I don't mean to disrespect Duke. David Cutcliffe has a really, really good program going there. He's built something. But Virginia Tech does not get beat by 35 on its home field. There was a report out before the season that said several Virginia Tech players didn't want to win the game against Marshall that was, rescheduled, that was scheduled to make up for the lost game that Virginia Tech lost during the hurricane last year in an attempt to keep their ball streak alive. They beat Marshall. They got the six wins. They played in the bowl game. The Fort Charles, some of those players didn't want to do it. They wanted to just go home. And Fuente apparently kicked a clean house. He's got more clean to do, if anything, if last week is any indication. This is a big week. Go on the road, beat Miami, a team that's in transition with Manny Diaz as the head coach, who's shown their ups and downs this year. Go down there, get a win, come back, and maybe things will be better. But I don't know if they will. I think Miami wins this game because it's at home, and I don't know how much Virginia Tech players really want to play for Fuente anymore. In the Big 12, I could have taken Texas at West Virginia, but I didn't. I chose TCU at Iowa State. For this reason, this may well be the third place playoff in the Big 12. We know Oklahoma and Texas are going to be right there in the end. We know that. Well, as much as we can in college football, there is always a chance that Oklahoma loses this weekend, and so does Texas at West Virginia. There's always a possibility of that. However, not likely. So, in this, if you win this game, if you're TCU and Iowa State, you win this game, Iowa State gets back to one to five hundred in conference play, and TCU would go to two and zero and be sitting right there at the top of the Big Twelve. It's a big game, so I I think TCU and Iowa State. I it's really hard to pick this one. I generally pick the home team in these instances. I'll take Iowa State, but it wouldn't shock me if TCU went up there and won the game. 
In the Big Ten, I have number 14, Iowa, at number 19, Michigan. We talked about Michigan being the third best team in their division. This is a chance for Michigan to have a statement win. Remember when they got whacked by Wisconsin two weeks ago, and they bounced back by beating Rutgers 52-0? This is the real bounce back for Michigan. Michigan needs this win. For Iowa, it would be nice, but Michigan absolutely needs this. This would technically be an upset if Michigan wants to go on and win this thing. It's in the big house, and it's a must-win. It's as close to a must-win game as you can get right now. If you win this game, you almost come You come close to erasing that Wisconsin game. You get a ranked one under your belt, and you might start to th- see things get a little bit back to normal in Ann Arbor. This is a massive game for Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines. In the Pac-12, Arizona at Colorado, and I say this because they're both 3-1, and one. And this, these teams both could either, they're halfway to bowl eligibility. But now you're getting into conference play. And we'll see how both of these teams fare when they get into Pac-12 play. This could be a big turning point game for both teams. One stays at three wins, the other one gets to four, which means you only have to win two of your remaining games to go to a bowl game. That's pretty important for both these schools. We'll see how this one goes. I'm taking Colorado because at home we don't know the stats of Khalil Tate. Numbers in the SEC, number 7, Auburn at number 10, Florida. This might well be the game of the week in college football. This should be fun. Auburn has played well. They've had their offense score points, but their defense the strength of the team. You can say the same thing about Florida. This could end up being a defensive struggle, but you know what always happens? When we say a defensive struggle is going to happen, we always get an offensive outburst. When we say it's going to be an offensive shootout, we always get a defensive struggle. It's impossible to predict. But here's the thing. We'll see how this one ends up going. I'm taking Auburn in an upset here because I think their offense is better than Florida's, and I'm not big on Florida. I'm not big. Bo Nix, the Auburn quarterback, the true freshman, has shown he can handle a big stage. I don't think the Swamp will have any effect on him. If it does, it will be minimal. I think Florida will end up losing this game because Auburn's just, I think they're better. In the, AAC, in the AAC, number 18, Central Florida at Cincinnati. Game of the year in the conference. Cincinnati is by is viewed by maybe the best team in the AAC. So is Central Florida. Whoever wins this game gets to make that claim. Uh, UCF, the last time they went on the road, they lost to Pitt. I don't know if they let that happen again. But I also think Cincinnati is capable of playing really well on their home field. Cincinnati's only losses to Ohio State. Not a bad loss. I think Cincinnati can pull the game out. But I think because I but I think UCF will play really 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 well on the road. Cincinnati in a very very close game. In conference USA, Marshall at Middle Tennessee State. Marshall got whacked by Cincinnati the last time they played. They're getting into conference play now. Get a chance to get a conference one under your belt and move on. That's what it is. Middle Tennessee State has struggled so far this season. They haven't done all that well. Get a win over Marshall and all of a sudden, hey, things start to look up. Big game in Conference USA. 
In the MAC, Ohio at Buffalo. Ohio is one is many of people's pick to win their division in the MAC. They have absolutely struggled so far. They're one and three, but you know what? If you beat Buffalo to get to two and three, and you pick up a vital conference win. A lot of times in the MAC, you'll see teams that struggle in non-conference end up running through the through the conference schedule because they're just that good in 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 their league. I wouldn't be shocked if Ohio does that here, but you've got to get off to a good start against Buffalo, and a decent Buffalo team at that. In the Mountain West, Air Force at Navy. This is the first game in the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy. Commander-in-Chief's Trophy is given to the champion in football of Army versus Navy versus Air Force. They all play each other, and whoever wins the most of those games win the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy. Navy has not played Porter this year, but they've used up both their bye weeks, except for if they don't make the conference championship game before they play Army. Air Force is pretty good, too. We'll see how this one goes. I think Navy wins the game because it's in Annapolis, but these games are always good. This, if, if you come across this game, you'll probably be glad you did. In the Sun Belt, Arkansas State at Georgia State, look, again, not a whole lot going on in the Sun Belt. This, there isn't. But, of the games that are going on, this is the conference game, and it should be the best conference game of the week. Arkansas State's pretty good. Georgia State is kind of, eh, since they beat Tennessee. But you know what? It's still better than they've already matched their win total last year. They need one more win to do to best last year's win total. They might get it here. It, it 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 could be close. It could be a blowout, but it could be close. You never know. So with the football done, let's move on now to Major League Baseball. The wild card games are underway last night and tonight. The National League wild card game featured the Nationals over the Brewers four to three, and the American League wild card game is tonight. Rays at the A's. In Oakland. And the NLDS is the Dodgers against the Nationals and the Braves against the Cardinals. The ALDS is the Astros against the A's or Rays winner. And the Yankees will play the Twins in the other series. Reminder, the division series in baseball are five-game series. They are not the standard seven games. So you have to win 11 games to win the World Series. You win best out of five, which means first to three wins in the division series. And the league championship series and the world series is best out of seven. So, bottom line is this. Get ready. October is here. It's going to be fun. I'm a Braves fan. I hope the Braves win the, beat the Cardinals and I hope the Braves win the world series. However, I think the National League is really, really good. The Dodgers, we know, are good. The Cardinals are hot. The Braves kind of sputtered into the, play- into the playoffs, but they didn't have two of the key callers in the lineup. Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna Jr. Those are two really, really big pieces in that Braves lineup. The pitching staff is good. At least starting pitching. Dallas Keuchel will start for the Braves tomorrow night. Then you've got Mike fulton and Mike Soroka. That's a very, very good rotation for a playoff series. The Nationals, we know what they have in terms of pitching. 
Strasburg, Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, Anibal Sanchez. They've got guys they own in their rotation. The weakness in the Nationals, though, is their bullpen. I found this stat to be absolutely insane. The Nationals' 5.66 bullpen ERA for the regular season is the worst of any playoff team since 1913. Isn't that crazy? That's downright insane. Yeah, that's exactly what's happened. In the American League, excuse me, the Cardinals, that's a team that just plays a good ball. That's just what they do. The Cardinals play good ball. They've got pitching, but they don't have a ton of it. They've got hitting. They're a good team. They're kind of what you expect out of the St. Louis Cardinals, a good all-around baseball team. In the American League, I expect the Yankees and Astros to play in the, in the ALCS as I think they're better than both either the Rays, A's, or Twins. I think the Yankees will beat the Twins. The Twins have a chance because they're in the series, but I would expect the Yankees to win in the Bronx, and I would think because they'll do that, they'll have the advantage going back to to um, Minnesota. And I think the Astros are better than the A's and they're better than the Rays because the Astros can throw out Justin Verlander to the mound. If you can throw out Verlander and Garrett Cole, you've got something, okay? The Astros' rotation is absolutely insane. And so is their lineup. It wouldn't shock me if the Astros won the World Series again. It really wouldn't. It's like it wouldn't shock me if the Yankees won the World Series. It's going to be a wide-open field in baseball, and that's what makes this fun. We have no idea what's going to happen. Think about last night. No one knew that the Nationals would win the game late on, but they did. It's crazy. That's how this thing works. So, enjoy your baseball, everyone. I know I will. And let's move on now to the Premier League. And I want to talk about just a few storylines before we get into the scores from last week and the schedule for this week. Uh, We've got Leicester City are for real. They're third in the league right now. Brendan Rodgers was an absolutely incredible hire for Leicester. It's insane how good of a hire Brendan Rodgers is. Yet, look at what he's done. I know it's early. And I know I said don't overreact last week when I talked about Everton and managers being fired. But look, Leicester have what it takes to do really well. They got a good squad. They have a reasonably deep team. They've got a really good manager. They've got a good ownership group. They've got great fans. That's what you need to win the league. I'm not saying they win the league again, but they're going to be close. They're going to be up there in the top four, top five. I would venture to say most of the year. And the team that's in fourth and the team that's in tenth, Arsenal and Manchester United respectively, they played on Monday night to a 1-1 draw. And... The takeaway from that is really that when, you, when you're looking at it in the grand scheme of things, in terms of competing with Liverpool and Manchester City, both sides have a lot of work to do. But I'm of the belief that they both have the right managers in place to do that. 
to do the job that they're being asked to do, which is continue to build to a competitive level. I think Unai Emery and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer are both really good managers. I really do. But I think this. They haven't been given the players necessary to do the job. Arsenal need to, need to fix their defense. Arsenal needs to just... It's, I think Arsenal are closer than Man United. Man United have to do it essentially a whole squad rebuild. They need to bring in guys with vigor and intensity and work rate. They don't have a whole lot of those right now. And that's what Manchester United were under Alex Ferguson. Yes, they had goal scores, but that's, those teams worked hard. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was a member of the treble winning team in, 19, in 1999. He knows what it takes to be successful at the club, and he knows what he wants. I mentioned this last week, that United have basically accepted that they won't be contending for the title for a few years, and they're building themselves up. Everyone thinks that everyone should be competitive every single year. Rebuilds are common in the U.S. They're not exactly common in the Premier League because you can't afford to rebuild unless you do it the absolute right way or you'll get relegated. United won't get relegated, but they do understand that there needs to be a rebuild made. And I'm glad they're doing it. Arsenal, I think, realized that too. And it takes time. But both have... The right people in place to do the job. They need to get more players in and they'll be fine. Now, while United might struggle for Europe based on their current position in the league, which again is not an, an indicator of where they'll finish. West Ham United are currently in and around Europe. What the heck? I thought West Ham could potentially end up going down. Yet Manuel Pellegrini has done a great job of managing the players that he has. He's done a really good job of just taking that squad and winning games. They're getting results. It's crazy to think about, but it's absolutely true. It's absolutely wild. So let's take a look now at some of the scores from last week and games this week. Uh, last week... Liverpool beat Sheffield United 1-0. Crystal Palace beat Norwich City 2-0. Burnley and Aston Villa drew 2-2, as did Bournemouth and West Ham. Wolves beat Watford 2-0. Tottenham beat Southampton 2-1, despite having a player sent off. Chelsea beat Brighton 2-0. Manchester City beat Everton 3-1. Leicester City beat Newcastle 5-0. And as we mentioned before, Arsenal and Manchester United drew 1-1. Schedule for... The last game before the international break, uh, last game week before the international break, I should say. Uh, 7.30 a.m. on Saturday, Brighton hosts Tottenham. Uh, Norwich City hosts Aston Villa at 10. Watford hosts Sheffield United at 10. Burnley hosts Everton at 10. Liverpool hosts Leicester at 10. That should be a really good game. West Ham hosts Crystal Palace Saturday at 12.30. Sunday, 9 a.m., Southampton hosts Chelsea, as do Manchester City hosting Wolves. And Arsenal versus Bournemouth is at 9 a.m. on Sunday. And 11.30 a.m., the last game for the international break, Newcastle United versus Manchester United. Let's move on now to the NHL. <clears throat> and the season starts tonight. Hockey is finally back, ladies and gentlemen. For the first time since June, when the, Stan when the Stanley Cup was handed out, in Boston, when the St. Louis Blues beat the Bruins, there will be a hockey game that means something tonight. 
the Blues will raise the banner against the champions from two seasons ago, the Washington Capitals. That's just one of the many, many, many games over the course from now until April that the stamp that the NHL will present to us <clears throat> as hockey fans. And you know, uh, I'm really excited to get into uh, to the season preview of the NHL. A few storylines, and I'll give you who I think wins the East and the Western Conference, and who wins the Stanley Cup. So the first. Uh, storyline that I have comes from my favorite team, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I don't want to sound like a homer, but this to me is one of the bigger storylines in the NHL. Will Evgeny Malkin return to form? Evgeny Malkin had his worst season in the NHL last year. And he's always been part of the Penguins' big three. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and what used to be Marc-Andre Fleury, and now is Chris Letang. The Penguins' Uh, were eliminated in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs by the New York Islanders. If the Pens are going to make a run in the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's going to have to be through Evgeny Malkin. And by that I mean this. Malkin won't, won't shoulder the scoring load. He's got plenty of talent about him to do that. But Malkin has to get better. He can't have a year he had last year. He has to improve. He can't be giving away the puck in bad areas. He can't be taking bad penalties, putting the Penguins a penalty kill on the ice when it doesn't need to be. He can't be missing wide-open shots. He has to score his goals. He has to play his all-around game. The next big storyline <clears throat> that I'm looking at is the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Lightning had one of the best regular seasons in the history of the NHL last year. And they were swept swept in the uh, first round of the playoffs by the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I'm not saying that uh, the Lightning are bad, or the Blue Jackets are all that great, but the Lightning have to do a better job of in the playoffs, but that's, not, that's down the road. I want to see how they respond in the regular season. I want to see if they continue to do what they did last year up until the playoffs. Because that team was just about unbeatable. I mean, it was absolutely insane how good they were. So now, uh, I, I'm really curious to see how this team does. Another storyline is the St. Louis Blues. The St. Louis Blues were dead last in the NHL in early January. And they went and they won the Stanley Cup. Do they continue that momentum? And they, do they continue and do well this regular season and don't get off to a bad start? Or does the fact that they won the Cup change that dressing room? I want to know how they do it. And now will start tonight when they play the Capitals. Another big story is I picked the Winnipeg Jets to win the Western Conference last year. Some people believe that the Winnipeg Jets will have the first coach fired of the year. I don't know about that. But it kind of feels like a make or break year in some ways in Winnipeg, doesn't it? You know, teams changing. We still have talent, but we need to go and win the cup this year. And wouldn't that be great? Winnipeg to win the Stanley Cup. Another storyline as well, and I'm really looking at this too. The Carolina Hurricanes won the Stanley Cup in 2006. In 2009, they made the playoffs was swept in the Eastern Conference Final by the eventual champion Penguins 
and they didn't make the playoffs again until last year. How do they continue to go about it? How do they go on? That's what I'm curious to see. Other storylines include the San Jose Sharks. They've got an older roster, but they're still good. I wouldn't be shocked if they made the Western Conference final. So I think when you know everything is said and done, it's 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 going to be a fun season. But here's the thing about the NHL: you never know what's going to happen. Never. It's a very balanced league. You know, even the teams that are on the bottom end of the spectrum can beat the teams at the top. It's happened before. <clears throat> Example. No one would have thought the Blue Jackets were going to beat the Lightning in a four games in the seven game series, let alone sweep them. But they did just that. So let's just have some fun. Enjoy hockey. It's fun. Uh, hockey is one of my favorite sports. I love the people in the hockey community. If you're a hockey fan, it genuinely feels like a family. And it's so fun to be a part of. And it's, you know. Even if you don't like, if I'm a Penguins fan, I can go up to some guy as a Blackhawks fan, and we can talk about the NHL, and we it feels natural, you know. It's fun to do. So let's just enjoy it. I'm gonna have myself a good time watching these uh, games. I'm watching the Penguins game tomorrow night. At least I'm gonna try to, depending on when the Braves game is over. But yeah, it, it's gonna be fun. It really will be. And on now to my uh, Western Conference champion. I think the Vegas Golden Knights will go on and win the Western Conference and represent them in the Stanley Cup Final. And something about the Tampa Bay Lightning this year just says that they're going to learn from last year and they're going to make the Eastern Conference uh, be the Eastern Conference champion. I would love to pick my Penguins. I absolutely would love to, and I still think they have the potential to do it. But I have to see how the blue line does in defense, and I have to see how Evgeny Malkin does and goaltending. How does the backup goaltender situation behind Matt Murray look? And for the Stanley Cup champion, I'm picking the Vegas Golden Knights because they came so close two years ago. Something tells me that team, this you know, the Lightning how had motivation. The Vegas Golden Knights might have the best team in the NHL. They might just. We'll figure it out. It's a long way from now until June when they hand the cup out. But I, on my record, will say Lightning versus Golden Knights and Vegas wins the Stanley Cup. Coming up, we've got the second look of this program. I'm talking about the California Fair Pay to Play Act. That's after this break. Please stay tuned. Welcome back to the Looks Look Podcast. This is the second look uh, of the show. And normally this time is a time where I either have an interview of something not sports. Or I do a commentary when I don't have an interview. And that's been the, dare I say, the norm uh, around here. I hope to change that. But life is what it is. Most people just can't, can't make it work for whatever reason. Or just... My schedule gets in the way. It's always an interesting uh, situation. But uh, today's a commentary, but it's about sports. And not every commentary that I do is, but this one is. Uh, just, I believe, Monday, the California legislature passed the Fair Pay for Play Act. 
And what that means is that in California, starting in January 2023, student-athletes will be able to uh, benefit financially from their name, likeness, and image. Basically, if I'm a, a star athlete at a California school that makes over $10 million a year in media revenue, I can say, hey, I'm Lucas Berry. I'm the star quarterback at USC. And then a car dealership comes up to me and says, hey, Luke, you want $5,000 to uh, sign autographs at my uh, my dealership for a day? I would be legally allowed to take that. And the NCAA is not happy with this. The NCAA is basically saying this, this, this kills amateurism. This is not what the NCAA stands for. And they're threatening to kick out California schools uh, who allow this to happen. Even though it would only be a select few like UCLA, USC, Cal, Stanford. Uh, those schools like that. It wouldn't be those small colleges like, you know, Pepperdine or UC Santa Barbara or you know Cal State Fullerton, it wouldn't be that because I'm I'm willing to bet those schools don't make ten million in, in uh, media revenue. I'm not sure about that, but I'd be willing to bet it. So I thought about this just the other day when when the news came out, and I don't have an issue with it. A lot of people have an issue with it because they agree with the NSA that it kills amateurism. No, it doesn't. Here's the thing. It's only going to be a select few athletes that are actually going to be warrant, going to have this applied to them. So the vast majority of the roster won't apply to them. Let's say you're on a football team. What do we know in terms of when we as fans look at a football team, what are we thinking of? Quarterback, running back, receiver, you know, linebacker, defensive back, stuff like that, right? We're not thinking about the linemen. We're not thinking about, you know, we're just not, okay? We're not thinking about the punter or the kicker. We're not doing that. Unless you got a really superstar punter kicker like Pat McAfee was at West Virginia. And not only that, but people think that these kids are going to make millions of dollars uh, doing this. That's not the case. Like I said, it could be as simple as some car dealership saying, hey, you want a thousand bucks to come to autographs for us? Kid can take that now. It's not bad. The school is not saying, here's a salary, go do it. The school is, the, the law is saying this. You are legally allowed to uh, go out and profit from your image. Name, image, and likeness. So if they put your name on a poster and they go sell, you know, if they put your face as an athlete on a schedule poster or a team poster, if they sell that, you have a right to collect something from that. That's not bad. That really isn't. It's not like a school is saying, here, here's you know $25,000 salary from us. That's not it. Because it's only going to be, like I said, it's only going to be a select few players. It's only going to be, you know, the big, big schools anyway who can actually afford to do it. And it's only going to be uh, a few sports, Right? So the football guys and basketball guys and girls will earn a lot more than, you know, the gymnastics people or the swim team or the track team or in West Virginia, the rifle team. 
and that's not to say that's bad, but it's not, it's not, it's just how it is, you know? They probably didn't ask for it, but that's just what it is. So, as far as I'm concerned, let them do it. And not only this, but if you're a video game fan, this would mean, if this becomes a national bill, this would mean we can get our NCAA football game back. We can get our college football video game back. We can finally do it. And yes, I know there's a game out called Maximum Football that has college football in the game. But you have to edit all the teams. You have to do all that. Before then, guess what? You had teams with... You had everything basically there. If you were playing in Morgan's at WV, you would have Mountaineer Field there. If you were playing in Tuscaloosa, you would have Bryant-Denny Stadium there. It would look like it. You'd have the mascot. You'd have the logo. You'd have the name. The only thing you didn't have is if you wouldn't have Tua's name. You would have QB number, Tua's number. Or if you're WVU, you would have Will Greer's number. Or Pat White's number. Or Geno Smith's number. Or Trevor Lawrence's number at Clemson. Travis Etienne, the Clemson running back, wouldn't have Etienne on his name. He would have number whatever unless you went in and edited or downloaded a roster. So that's... It's a step in the right direction. It's not full-blown professionalism. Because it's not everyone. But it's not an instance where people should go freaking out. Okay? And not only that, but if you're looking at it from the college football perspective... What have we been seeing a lot of recently? Guys will skip bowl games to protect themselves from the draft. What if you have a sponsorship deal that says you got to play in the bowl game? Don't we benefit from that? Don't we as fans benefit from that? Now, I know coaches will say, well, you know, if I've got a graduating senior or a guy who's going to leave for the NFL after his junior year, he wants to sit out the bowl game, I get a chance to play the younger guys. Well, that's true, but you don't have to play the younger guys the whole game. You can play, you know, the guy who's going out, you know, five or ten snaps in the, in the ball game, and still get the younger kids some reps. It's not, you know, it's it could potentially be a winner-winner situation. Now, the NCAA won't be thrilled with it because the NCAA just says, "Well, we can't do that. We have to have it our way." But you know what? The Olympics changed. There was a time when the professional athletes weren't allowed in the Olympics. Remember when that was? I don't, but I know it happened. You know what? It was the Olympics still have their their pool. College football will still have its pool. So will college basketball. College sports will not lose from this unless the NCAA does actually act and get California schools banned from the NCAA, which I personally don't think will happen. I just, I can't see it. I know they're threatening to it, but I just can't see that being allowed to happen. And I think it'll get tied up in courts. I, I just, I don't, I don't see it happening. So yes, I'm for athletes being able to profit from their name, likeness, and image. Because here's the thing. Athletes don't have jobs outside of the sport they play. That is their job. Other College students can hold two or three jobs and still go to class. Why can't athletes? Why can't athletes get a little bit more money? And I know people will say, yes, they're on scholarship. Well, newsflash, 
some people on college campuses that are on academic scholarships still have jobs. Okay? It's still make outside money even though they're getting their books and tuition paid for. Just a heads up. This is not bad. It's different, yes, but it isn't bad. We'll be back to wrap up the show in just a minute. Please do stay tuned. Welcome back, and don't forget you can check out the show on Facebook. Just look up Luke's Look Podcast. And get in touch with us on Twitter, at Luke's Look Pod. Until next week, this is Lucas Berry signing off, and we will see you next week.